Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithRoy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithRoy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to the Halloween edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. Yes, I am not able to resist the opportunity to use Halloween as a teaching point for attracting lasting love. And I bet you can tell where I'm going to go because what really is Halloween all about? Well, I mean, on the surface anyway, I guess it's got some deep, dark roots from centuries ago. I don't know about that crap. But what it's about is wearing a costume, dressing up as someone, maybe putting on a mask, sort of pretending to be someone you're not. And does that not apply to relationships? Oh, my God. Does it ever? One of the things that we all learn on our journeys of personal growth and self-development, and especially the way we are in relationships, one of the things we, we end up confronting at one point or another is that we are not always perhaps being our authentic selves that perhaps we wear a costume in our love lives or we wear a mask or that we are consciously or unconsciously pretending to be someone that we're not. Have you had that moment of awareness yet where you recognize that maybe you are operating from what I call a relationship persona. It is a profoundly important step in our relationship lives to deal with the authenticity issue. And in this context, what I mean by that is, who are we really? (laughs) Are we wearing a costume or a mask? Are we pretending to be someone? And if so, for how long? What is the mask or what is the costume we're wearing? And how do I take it off and perhaps move through the world in a more authentic, real way? Do you see how rich this discussion can be? How, how deep a silly little holiday like Halloween can be if we want to discuss how to attract lasting love? Because I think all of us recognize that we're going to have a very difficult time attracting a healthy and sustainable relationship if we are not being our authentic selves, if we are 
animating a relationship persona, if we're wearing a mask, if we're pretending, if we're wearing a costume, right? Sure, we can get in relationships when we're pretending, but they're not going to be healthy, nor are they going to probably be sustainable because it's difficult to keep up the charade. It's difficult to keep playing the role, to keep acting the part. Even if you know that you're acting a part, it's difficult to keep it going. But here's where this gets sort of complicated and sort of um, deep is that I'm maintaining that we have a relationship persona, that we are wearing a costume and a mask, but we don't know it. (laughs) This is going to be a challenge for me as a communicator because most of us think we're just being ourselves. Oh, this is just who I am. I'm just that way. It's just, you know, who God has made me to be, we might even be so bold to say. And I'm here to say that most of us are not aware that who we take ourselves to be is not at all who we are and that we are indeed coming from a false sense a persona that we are wearing a mask or a costume. And again, but we don't know it. Okay. So that's the challenge. And I start by asking you if you're willing to be open to the possibility that who you are being in the world, especially in the intimate relationship environment, I'm asking you if you're open to the possibility that you have lost track of your authentic self and for many, many years, maybe going all the way back to your early childhood, you develop something called a relationship persona that you put on a costume, that you put on a mask in order to succeed or survive or to get a need satisfied. So maybe that's where we should start right now. Let me define what I mean by persona, by wearing or having a relationship persona. The word persona means mask, and it's from a Latin word that was originally used to describe an actor who wore a mask or played a role on a stage, right? So the actor was playing a role and he wore a mask. And so he was in persona. It wasn't who he was. It was somebody he became or somebody he was acting like. And he usually wore a costume or a mask to fulfill the role that he was playing on the stage. Well, a a relationship persona is sort of the person that you or I believe that we have to be or a role that we believe we need to play in order to succeed in life or love 
or to survive a threat or a demanding environment or to satisfy a need or get what we want. Okay, right there, that's really powerful about what the purpose of a persona is. It's a defense mechanism. It's a coping strategy. And all of us have come out of our childhood with one. Don't argue with me on that. You have one, although you just might not know it. That's why I asked you from the beginning, are you willing to be curious about this? And not just say, nope, I don't have any of that crap going on. I know who I am. I'm being authentic. I've always been authentic. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. I'm saying, no. First of all, your personality. I mean, take that word personality. What do you hear in the beginning of it? Persona. (laughs) Your personality is a persona. Your personality is is a defense mechanism. Your personality is a coping mechanism. All of psychology agrees with me on this, that the personality is developed to help us succeed in life or love, to help us survive a threat or a demanding environment, or to help us satisfy a need or to get what we want. That's what the personality is. Now, those of you who listen to this podcast, remember that I recently did a whole series on the Enneagram of personality. The Enneagram is the best personality system in the world, and it labels nine different personality types. But all nine of them, in different ways, are personas. The first one was called the perfectionist or the reformer. That's a persona. You learned at an early age, if you're a type one, that you got love if you were good, if you followed the rules, if you tried to be perfect. The type two is called the helper. That's a defense mechanism. That's a coping mechanism. It's a persona. If I'm, you know, Helen the helper, then that allows me to succeed in life or love or to survive a threat or to satisfy a need. Do you follow me? So your basic personality, no matter what type you are, is a persona. And you do have a personality, don't you? (laughs) You might not think you have a good personality. You might think you have a great personality. But unless you're a vegetable, you have a personality, which means you have a relationship persona. You have a way in which that primary persona, that Enneagram type, it has a certain way it shows up in relationship. Your Your Enneagram type will show up in certain ways at work or in parenting or in friendships, but that basic core personality type will also show up in a way, a certain way in relationship. And so I call it your relationship persona because you have work personas, you have 
all yeah a number of different personas but that that's the main the main truth like what's what is a persona it's a mask that we wear why do we wear it is because we learned at an early age what kind of little boy or what kind of little girl do i need to be in order to succeed at whatever i want to succeed at in life or love or getting along with my parents or siblings or in the life that I was living when I was a little kid? Or how do I survive? Who do I need to be to survive a threat or a demanding environment? Who do I need to be to satisfy my needs to get what I want? See, these are core issues for us as human beings. The, the, the desire for approval, which is you're wanting to succeed in life or love. To survive a threat or a demanding environment touches our deep need for security and safety. To, to develop a persona to help us satisfy a need or get what we want touches the deep need for control. To feel like we're in control of things. Okay? So that's what a persona is. And that's where it's come from. Now, just because I want to be technically accurate here and I, and I want to give you a full or as close to a full understanding of personas that I can, um, I'm not saying any persona is right or wrong, first of all. They're just coping mechanisms. They're defense mechanisms. They usually do lead to drama and difficulty because you're not being your authentic self. You're being the person that you you sort of learn to be early in life on how to be successful or survive or satisfy a need. But so it's not really who you are. It's born out of fear. It's a fear-based way of being in the world. And those things usually lead to drama and difficulty. But it doesn't mean there's something wrong with it. They're wrong with you. Right? So it's not a, a moral issue, for God's sakes. It's, it's not a right, wrong, good, bad, evil, holy thing. It's just a normal psycho, psychological thing. It's a thing that we all go through. Because I don't care how great your childhood environment was, you still wanted to succeed or survive or satisfy a need. It's just, it's going to happen. You're going to go through your little life unconsciously as a two, three, four, five, six-year-old. And you're just going to intuitively sense, who do I need to be around here in this environment to feel safe, to be successful, you know, or to make sure my needs get satisfied, right? So it's quite natural. It's quite normal. We all have a persona. We all have a fear-driven self that is on the surface. We wear it like a mask. The issue is, do you know what it is? And then if you do know what it is, do you want to choose to continue that way? Or do you want to dig a little deeper and discover how do I take the mask off and find that authentic being that I am? And live from that place. Because I'm maintaining the more that you're able to dig beneath the mask and the persona and the fear-driven self, 
and find the authentic self, that gives you the greatest opportunity to create a healthy, sustainable connection with someone because you're being your authentic self and they're falling in love with the authentic you and there's no game to be played. There's there's no manipulation in it. There's just the purity of this is me. Meeting someone else who maybe hopefully has done the same kind of work to let go of their fear-driven self. The person they grew up thinking, oh, I need to be this little boy or this little girl in order to succeed or survive or satisfy a need. When two people get together and they've both sort of identified the weird ways that they can show up in relationships in order to get approval, security, or control, when two people have kind of can name kind of the game that they can play and yet they have found a more authentic way of being in the world, those people have a chance at something real. Do you follow me? But if you don't, if you're just, if the persona is just running your life, if you're just in that fear-driven self and you don't even know it, I mean, you're just captured by it, you're, you're sort of, taken over by it, well, then that's how you get in the Groundhog Day Syndrome. If you're familiar with this podcast, you know I talk a lot about that, is that when you're in a persona, well, however we're being in the world has a magnetic effect in what we attract, right? So you probably know from my story that my relationship persona, I call him Roy the Rescuer. Or I use the word Casanova in some of my books. I don't use the word Casanova here in the podcast that often because it takes a lot of explanation as to what that word means to me when I use it. It means being a rescuer. Okay, so I just say Roy the Rescuer. Well, when I was stuck being Roy the Rescuer, I kept attracting women who were damsels in distress. Do you follow me? They, they sort of go together. If I see myself as a rescuer, I need to find someone who needs rescuing. Otherwise, we won't feel any chemistry for each other. We won't feel like we fit. Okay? So that's the important part of this work is you really do need to know what your relationship persona is because that's what's been responsible for the patterns and the problems and the pain that you've gone through over and over again, like it's Groundhog Day, right? Most of us can point to certain patterns in our love lives, whether I keep attracting narcissists or I keep attracting people who are emotionally unavailable and afraid of commitment, or I I keep attracting situations where at the three-month mark, it starts to fall apart. Well, that is because you are in a persona and you're attracting your playmate, Someone who's in a reciprocal and matching persona, like I would attract damsels when I was a rescuer, because those things always fall apart. Or maybe not always. I think my parents were in persona throughout their whole marriage, and they just kept playing that game, and it it worked okay for them, I suppose, right? But you're never going to really reach authentic, deep healthy intimacy when you're relating as a fear-driven self. So a lot of the work we have to do in our in our lives, you know, 
to, to attract a healthy, sustainable relationship is to discover who we have always thought we had to be in order to get someone to love us. And once you start to see that, then you're able to break free of it. But most of us, including me back in the day, I had no idea that I was Roy the Rescuer. I just thought I was a really nice guy. I just thought I was really sweet and really caring and really compassionate and really giving. I had no idea that I was doing the sweet, nice stuff that I was doing because I was afraid if I didn't do that, a woman would never give me the time of day. And I learned being a rescuer with, from my mother. When I made my life be about taking care of my mother, I felt warmth and connection with her. When I was more, you know, sure of who I was and what I wanted and what I was interested in and, and more centered within myself, then I didn't feel connection with mommy. I felt pursed lips. I felt disconnection. I felt not an anger, but a, a displeasure. But the moment that I was, you know, tried to be a good boy, mommy, who do you need me to be? You know, what do you need, mommy? When, when my life was devoted to making mommy happy, then I felt the warmth and the connection. And what little boy doesn't want that? So I let go of the authentic Roy and I just became good boy Roy, Roy the rescuer. Now, I didn't know that I did that when I was five years old. I had no idea what was going on in my psychology at that age. I just knew I wanted mommy to be responsive to me. I wanted her attention. I wanted her affection. I'll be whoever I've got to be to get that. Do you follow me? You, as a little person, you will be anything that you need to be in order to, to survive in your family or to be successful in some way in your environment, or to satisfy a need or to get what you want. You, you will be anything you need to be instinctively. You're not choosing it. You don't even know you're doing it. And that's the danger is because I grew up just thinking, well, that's just who I am. I'm just a nice guy. No, I wasn't. I had to do some work to discover the whole thing was born out of fear. The whole, I had mommy issues. <laughs> The whole thing was born out of the, of this is who I need to be in order to, to succeed with women, to survive the, the fear of rejection, to satisfy a need for attention and affection. I just became Roy the Rescuer, but didn't know I was doing it. So a lot of my waking up, you could say, was discovering that that's what was going on with me. And that's what was responsible for the drama in my life. So this is what I would say about how you know that you have a relationship persona. You know from two ways. One, you have a personality. So right then and there, your Enneagram type is, a, is your persona. Whether you're a type one perfectionist or a type five, the observer, or a type seven, the adventurer, type nine, the peacemaker... Those are defense mechanisms. That's who you felt like you needed to be to succeed in your childhood or survive a threat or satisfy a need, right? But then it goes that level deeper. Well, how does that Enneagram type show up in intimate relationships? And that's what I call the relationship persona. It's a subset. It's like a branch off of the tree. 
And it's important that you discover what your persona is. And then you need to ask yourself, do I want to transform that? I mean, do I want to grow beyond that? Do I want to stop relating from fear, feeling I need to be a certain kind of man or woman in order to succeed or survive or satisfy a need? But you can't go anywhere until you know what your persona is. But once you know it, then you can say, okay, I'm going to continue being Roy the Rescuer and then get in the drama of attracting women who are damsels in distress and all the nightmare that that created in my love life. Or I can say, I don't want to be fake, even though I didn't know I was being fake. I, I'd like to know who I really am. If I take away that Roy the Rescuer thing, if I'm not scared, who would I be? And that right there, my friends, is the question. If I wasn't scared, who would I be in relationship? Like, if, if I didn't care about getting someone's approval and wanting to succeed in their eyes, if I just didn't care about wanting approval, who would I be? If I already felt safe and secure and grounded and I, I didn't feel like life or love was a threat, if, if I just didn't have any concern for, quote, my survival, if that fear wasn't there, who would I be? If I really recognize that my needs are already met, that I'm whole and complete and there's nothing for me to try to, there's no need for me to satisfy. There's, that there's no need to control, that everything that, that should be controlled already is being controlled. If I could relax and trust, who would I be? Because these personas that we are, they really are what we believe is the best way to, to maintain some sort of control because we're scared. We don't trust life. We feel like we have to be in control. And I have to be a certain person to maintain control. And I'm not safe. I don't feel secure. I, 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 have, an, I have insecurity. I, there's an anxiety here. And so I'm going to be a certain person to try to make sure I'm going to survive And we, we feel the need to be liked and loved and appreciated and noticed, this, this, this wanting of approval to be a people pleaser, which is a persona, by the way. Being a people pleaser is a persona. It's not who you are. It's who you believe you need to be in order to succeed or to survive or to satisfy a need. Do you, do you follow me? Okay. So there is, there might be no bigger Thing for you to know about yourself than what your default relationship persona is. Man, once you're equipped with that, once you're aware of it, because personas, they really are a lot like vampires. Okay? They're all like a vampire. You know, from all the vampire stuff, you know, the mythology of vampires, I'm hoping it's a myth, maybe not. Um, but all the vampire mythology is that 
if they're exposed to the light, they die, right? They only work in the darkness. Vampires only prowl around and, and they're, they're only alive when it's dark. Okay, the connection there is when we're unaware of them, when they're, when they're unconscious, they're alive and they're running our lives. But if we bring them out into the light, if we expose them to the light of our awareness, if we, if we can name our persona, we kind of, we bring it out from the shadows and we put it into the light, it dies. Because once I sort of recognized I was being Roy the Rescuer and I saw where it came from and it was like, ew, yuck, that's not who I am, right? The minute I saw all the ways Roy the Rescuer was functioning was the moment I was able to stop doing it. I'm not going to be that guy anymore. I don't need to be a certain way to get a woman's attention and affection. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to, I'm going to stand in my own sense of self and, and who I am. And if a woman loves me, she, it's great. If she doesn't, that's fine too. But I'm not going to become someone to get some woman to like me because then I got to keep up the charade forever. Right? So the way that we break the hold of the persona is by bringing it out into the light. So we don't want to try to get rid of these things. We want to get to know them. Right? We don't want to reject these personas. We don't want to hide from them. We don't want to bury them. We don't want to repress them. We don't want to ignore them. We don't, we don't want to reject them. We want to welcome them. Come out into the light with me. I want to learn about you. So part of the transformation that's led to me having a great love life and much better relationships with everyone, because frankly, I mean, I talk a lot about my love life being very um, filled with drama and stuff, but I, my whole social life has never been very good because I've been in persona, right? But when I came, when I started to see that, when I started to see that I was Casanova or Roy the Rescuer, um, man, everything changed. Because now I, I just knew the actions and the attitudes and the behaviors that were causing all my drama and they weren't authentic. So that's some background about this. Now, what I want to do with the remaining time is because the real work is for you to discover what your relationship persona is. And I mean, there are, I think, literally thousands of people listening to this. And so there's no way that I can help every individual one of you discover what your persona is. You follow me? I just, that would take thousands and thousands of hours. But what I can tell you is the way to discover what your persona is, is by looking at the types of partners and patterns that you seem to attract. And then you deduce your persona from that. That's kind of how I did it. I went to my coach and I was complaining about why do I keep attracting these women who have high powered careers, but they're overwhelmed with managing their household and raising their kids as a single mother. And they're just, they're just, I just, I said to my coach, they're like damsels in distress. Why do I, why do I keep getting in these dynamics where I'm turning into Mr. Mom and I really don't want to be, but I, you know, but there, there's women who, 
you know, their lives are kind of falling apart. They're stressed out. They're overwhelmed. And from knowing what I was attracting, I was able to say, well, then I must be playing a reciprocal part, right? It's the cookies and milk idea here. (laughs) They go together, right? So if you're attracting damsels, well, you must be a rescuer. If you're attracting drama queens or drama kings, then you must be a firefighter, right? Because firefighters, you know, 911, you better come put out the fire. And if you're, if you're noticing you're relating with people that just seem to have one fire after another, why do I keep attracting people who have these big catastrophes and big problems and oh my God, the house is on fire over there, right? And they're calling me up and I come racing over to try to put out the fire by encouraging them or whatever it might be. Do you follow me? (laughs) So, um, you know, why do I keep attracting narcissists? Well, because you're a self-forgetter. You must be. Because narcissists are self-absorbed. All they think about is themselves. It's me, myself, and I, and there's nobody else in the universe. Well, you must be playing a reciprocal persona that matches that. Just like a rescuer and a damsel, a narcissist who's self-absorbed with someone who is self-forgetting. Or maybe you could even say a doormat. Like one of the one of the personas that my clients deal with a lot um, is a persona that I would call crumb girl or crumb guy. It's like they feel like they're sitting, you know, they're, they're not at the table. They just take the crumbs that can fall off of the table. They just kind of take what they can get. In other words, they're not a priority. They're not important. They're nobody's devoted to them. You know, they're, they're not invited to sit at the big boy table. They're just kind of like the, the little dog that sits at the feet of someone hoping that something falls off the table and they can get it because the dog doesn't sit at the table with everybody else. Okay. If you're, if you're a crumb girl, if you feel like I'm just never a priority, right? Then that's another aspect of you're probably attracting narcissists who that they feel self-important. They feel grandiose. They, in fact, there is something called the narcissistic and grandiose persona, um, um, personality, um, disorder. Uh, I think it's NPD or something, (laughs) narcissistic personality, whatever. Anyway, do you get what I'm saying there? So the way that you discover your relationship persona is noticing the types of playmates and patterns and problems and pain that you've been experiencing because you're playing a reciprocal part to that, okay? Now, that's for you to explore, but I want to tell you right here and right now, if there was ever a reason to hire a coach, it's this. Because on the one hand, first of all, you might not even be convinced you have one. And if you if if you if you're feeling that way, or if you don't know what it is, then it is running your life. It is sabotaging you. It it is the it is the barrier that's keeping you from attracting lasting love. There's no question. There's no question. So if you don't know what it is, man, you really need to work with me. 
But even if you get a sense of it, this is something you probably have been doing since you were a little boy or a little girl, and it's deeply ingrained. In fact, I'll tell you, maybe I mentioned this somewhere. There was, if there was ever a watershed moment when I worked with my coach, I mean, a moment when it changed the whole course of my life, there were two of them. The first is when my coach helped me see that I had what, what I call a relationship addiction, that I was so ingrained with the you complete me mindset that I was looking for a woman to make me feel like a man, right? Like I, there was a void that only a woman could fee- fill. There was a problem that a woman could only fix, right? That I was like addicted to love and relationships and I couldn't be alone and I and so I was that moment where I recognized, oh my God, I'm an addict. I mean, not to alcohol or drugs, but to relationships. A, a, a woman's like a drink with legs, which is the name of my first book. That was one of the moments that changed the entire course of my life. But the second one was when I understood my relationship persona the person I needed to be to get the love that I thought I needed from women, right? You see how it's connected there. When you're a relationship addict, then you have like an, an, an addict persona, which is Roy the rescuer. I'm just going to rescue women and be there and take care of them and raise their children and run their household and do all kinds of things that I do not want to do necessarily, but I feel like I have to do it in order to get this beautiful woman to want me and have sex with me and want to be committed to me. You see how the relationship persona is tied together with the addiction, right? And you've got your own addiction. You, know, you, you do on one level or you might be addicted being, you know, to, to not being smothered. I was addicted to because I couldn't be alone. So whatever it might be, you've got your addiction. And I know that's a harsh word, but deal with it. You do. <laughs> and you've got a persona that is designed to fulfill your addiction. My Roy the Rescuer was my coping mechanism. It was my, my way of getting my drug. That's the best way of saying it. Your persona is your way of getting your drug. Now your persona might be someone who's, um, you know, commitment phobic, Charlie, the commitment phobe, right? You're, you're like afraid of commitment. You're afraid of rejection. You're, you're afraid of being smothered. You're afraid of being controlled. That's, that's, that's your way of, of, of getting your drug and your drug probably is freedom. I need to be free, but yet I want to be with a woman and you get into all that kind of, you know, contradictory drama. Like I really want to be with someone, but I'm so afraid a relationship would smother me or make me lose all my freedom and all my control. And so you develop this persona of, you know, showing up in the world, you know, where I'm not going to let anyone get that close to me, even though I really do want someone to be close to me, but I won't let them. You follow me? The nightmare of all that, okay? But for for me, my other big, big moment in my life was when I rec- when my help my coach helped me see Roy the Rescuer Casanova, and and I saw that my Mister Nice Guy thing was was not something I was doing out of the goodness and love in my heart, but it was out of fear and control and manipulation. Um, I said to my coach, I don't even know who I would be if I wasn't that guy. 
I don't even I don't even know who I am if I'm not Casanova, if I'm not Roy the Rescuer. And her her response to me was, I'll never forget it. She said, Welcome to the path. There it is. That's your spiritual journey. Who am I if I'm not scared? Who am I if I'm not run by these defense mechanisms and these coping mechanisms? And I didn't know. I had no idea who I'd be if I wasn't that guy. Because I've been being them since I was four years old. And so the same is going to be for you. Once you identify the persona, you're going to be like, I don't even know who I'd be if I wasn't the peacemaker. I don't know who I would be if I wasn't the perfectionist or the helper or the people pleaser or the commitment phobe or the player or the drama queen or the narcissist because a nar- narcissism is a persona that that person who's narcissistic they just learned at some point that they have to maintain control and power in order to succeed or survive or satisfy a need. They just became a narcissist the same way I became a rescuer. A different way of showing up, but it's all for the same reason. It's just a coping mechanism. As is the doormat or the crumb girl or whatever it might be. So, so you, you, you gotta, you gotta discover what yours is. And if you need help, that's what I'm here for. Okay. Sincerely. That's, that's what I'm here for. Now I want to spend the rest of our time together, um, having some fun with you by, by sharing with you seven steps on how to let go of your persona. Okay. Um, I want to walk you through the steps on this. But again, the steps don't work until you know your particular false way of being in the world. Do you follow me? But once you do, and if you need, if you need me to help you with that, which, boy, if you're ever going to invest some time and money into your own growth and self-awareness, it's discovering your relationship persona. Once you do then there's an actual way of trans, transcending this. There's a way of breaking out of it. I did it. There's, there's a way of breaking free of this. Even though it's an ingrained childhood habit, you could say, a deep coping mechanism. I'm not saying it's easy, but there is basically seven steps that you would take to do it. And the first one, they're all E words. Maybe it helps you memorize them or remember them. I, as a communicator, like alliteration. It kind of makes it fun on my end to try to come up with words that um, start with the same letters uh, just because it's kind of fun to try to be creative in my communication. So these are all E words, all seven of them. The first one is epitaph. Okay? What's an epitaph? Well, it's, remember, is it King Henry the Lionhearted? Right? Or Jimmy the Greek? Right? It's, it's the name, but the name is sort of naming the role that you play or a characteristic or a quality. So that's why Roy the Rescuer, right? It's the name, but then it's, it's, it's naming the quality or the behavior. So the first step is to name your persona. Now, 
The reason why I don't – in my books, I don't, I don't use Roy the Rescuer. I just use it when I'm talking is because being the rescuer is not who I am, so I should not use my name. That's why I use Casanova. You should not use your first name in your – when you name your persona because it's not who you are. That's the whole point. It's who you thought you needed to be when you're scared. It's who you think you need to be to survive or succeed or to satisfy a need, right? So don't don't say it, you know, if your name is Pam, don't say I'm Pam the I don't know, rescuer or something. You know what I'm saying? So don't use your real name. Um but you do want to use a name that it's clearly understandable what it is. If you say I'm Dor- Donna the doormat, Oh yeah, people get that right away. So you might not want to use your first name, but you do want to have the name be very obvious to yourself and anyone as to what it means, right? So that's why Crumb Girl, right? You hear Crumb Girl, oh, that you know what that is, you know, Cindy the Crumb Girl or something like that. Um, now, the more that you can choose a name that is sort of fun, you know, or it's in association with maybe um, a TV character or a sitcom character, movie character, cartoon character, um, the more fun it gets. You follow me? So like, for instance, I have sometimes my men clients, you know, they, they really lack confidence with, with women and they're kind of afraid of getting rejected and they don't feel like they have a whole lot to offer. Um, and they don't feel like a woman would want them given their life circumstances or the way they look or something. And so they kind of lack confidence. And so the, the name I, I, I usually suggest to them is, is to use Costanza, George. Remember George Costanza? If you're a Seinfeld episode fan, you remember the episode where George is complaining that all of his instincts are wrong, right? And then at some point, he's sitting in the cafe with um, with Elaine and Jerry, and there's this beautiful woman at the bar that seems to be uh, at the cafe bar, seems to be looking at him, and he's like, yeah, like I'm going to go talk to her. I'm bald. I have no job. I live with my parents. And then Jerry says, well, didn't you just say that all of your instincts are wrong? So if every instinct is wrong, then the opposite, doing the opposite of what you would instinctively do. And then George is like, you're right. I'm going to do the opposite. (laughs) So he walks up to her and he says, hello, my name is George. You know, I I don't have a job and I live with my parents. And the girl, she's beautiful, turns around and says, well, hello, George. Right. And it's hilarious. And the idea that I'm doing with my clients is, you know, give this fearful guy, this guy who lacks confidence in name, let's make it fun. Right? Call yourself George, right? Because it's it's not who you are. It's it's a defense mechanism. It's a coping mechanism. It's it's a fear driven self. Okay, so the first thing um, that you want to do is come up with a really good name. Okay, now the second thing you want to do, the second step, is you want to write a one sentence description of the persona. In other words, if you were ever to tell someone, yeah, I got this relationship persona issue, Roy the Rescuer, like, really, what does that mean? 
I want to be able to answer that question in one sentence. Okay? So the one sentence has basically three parts. The name, the behavior, and its purpose. So let's take Roy the Rescuer. What would, what would the sentence be for me? Well, I, I'm, I'm Roy the Rescuer, um, and I make my life be about taking care of a woman's so that she will love me. Boom. There it is. That's as clear as I can say it. Roy the Rescuer makes his life be about taking care of a woman so that he can get the love and affection he wants. The name, the behavior, the desired outcome of the persona. So if you if you resonate with Donna the doormat, okay? So Donna the doormat can't say no or stand up for herself so that she can avoid conflict and feel safe. Let's take George. George never approaches women so that he can avoid being hurt and rejected. Let's take Crumb Girl. Crumb Girl settles for what she can get or stays in unhealthy relationships so that she can avoid feeling abandoned and lonely. You get it? You're, you're giving yourself a fun, creative name but you're not using your first name. And then you're going to describe it. The name, the behavior, the desired outcome of what, what the persona is trying to achieve. You follow me? So that can be kind of fun. But of course, you can't do any of this unless you know what your persona is. So we go back to that. Okay. Now, step number three. Right Now that you've named your persona and described how it operates, the real... The real welcoming of this begins, like bringing in, bringing the vampire into the light, okay? And this is where you can interview or examine, right? So step one was epitaph. Step two was explain. Explain what the persona does. Step three is examine. Now, we, we won't do this here, but you can examine or interview yourself as the persona. There's actually seven questions that I ask my clients. When we've identified a persona, I ask them to be in the character, sort of get in the role, get in the character. Um, maybe if they, they have to change the way their voice sounds or put their body into a certain shape or something like that, I want them to get in character. And, and then I, I want to talk to the persona. So I did this with, with my coach. I, 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 I became the rescuer. Like Roy was gone. I'm going to be the rescuer. I put myself in that mentality. And I had kind of a sweet sounding, oh, baby, what do you need? I'll take care of it, whatever you want. And so my coach interviewed the rescuer. And I answered in that voice. I answered in that pleading, will you love me? What do you need me to do for you? I'll take care of you, baby. Don't worry. I got it. Right? And she asked me a series of questions, you know, what does Roy the Rescuer want? Who did he, who did he learn his, his method from? Um, what is he most afraid of, right? So there's this, in, in, in other words, to bring the vampire into the light where the vampire dies, 
you want to take your persona into the light and really interview him. Let's get to let, let's get to know this persona that you've been being. Let's let's let them talk. Let's bring them to the surface. So the way you you transcend the persona is not by rejecting it or hating it or judging it and repressing it. It's just the opposite. Loving this part of yourself. This is a strategy you learned as a little person to survive. It was wonderful at the time. You know, what I was doing with my mother when I was three, four, five, or six was brilliant. I needed to be close to my mother, right? But now when I'm 40, 45, or 50, I don't need to do that anymore, right? But it was brilliant at the time. So there's no judgment of our personas. They're beautiful. They were survival mechanisms. Holy crap, that's important to survive and succeed and to get your needs met when you're little. That's just... Just recognize how brilliant you were as a little person to figure out how you needed to be to get along and get through life as a little person. It's just you didn't know you were doing it, and so you kept doing it. <laughs> and you don't need to do this when you're 25, 30, 35, 40. Maybe when you were five, you needed to do it, but not when you're 55, you don't need to do it anymore, right? So the way you get rid of this is not about rejecting it, it's welcoming it, loving it. Come on, come on, Roy the Rescuer. Come on out, talk to me. I want to get to know you. What do you feel? What do you want? What are you afraid of? Where'd you come from? You know, all that kind of stuff. So that's step three, is you want to examine. So now you have an epitaph, a name. You you have explained its behavior. Then you've examined them like a cross-examination kind of thing. You've 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 interviewed your persona, okay, which can be really fun, by the way. Um, to interview someone as persona can be hilarious when they really get it. Sometimes they people start to share and the persona's talking and there's tears streaming down their face because they're really recognizing how this how this has been running their life and and the and the grief and the the joy that comes out of them when they're when they know they're letting go of this. And then it's no longer necessary to do the persona thing. Okay. Step four is something called example. You, again, it's all about exposing the persona to the light and being aware of it. Because a persona is like a bad habit. You're going to fall back into it. Even after I really recognized this with my coach, I still fell back into it occasionally. It was something I was doing I worked with my coach when I was around 45. So I had 40 years of being Roy the Rescuer. You think that's going to go away overnight? <laughs> no way. I'm going to slip back into it. So what can I do to sort of keep me aware, to keep me on the ready to spot Casanova, to spot my rescuing tendencies whenever they happen? Well, step four is called example. And this is Getting some physical object that you can keep on your person or that you see regularly that reminds you not to be that person. Okay? So my coach told me to get a cigarette lighter and carry it in my pocket. Now, I don't smoke. I don't date women who smoke. Never have. But she said, I don't care. It's a symbol of being Casanova, right? He's right there to light your cigarette, baby, right? She says, just put a, put a lighter in your pocket. Every time you feel it, it's going to remind you, oh, don't be Casanova. <laughs> you follow me? Okay. So 
Um, let's say that you're let's do let's do Donna the doormat. Oh, what could you? What sort of physical example could you get? Well, you can get an actual doormat or even a car floor mat and have Donna written on it. You, you could you could put it in your bathroom when you know you stand to brush your teeth or do your hair, and you're standing on a little mat that says Donna. <laughs> How hilarious is that? How do you go out and be Donna the doormat when you've just been standing on that? It's been staring at you. Do you follow me? I mean, that would be hilarious. There's there's no way you can continue in, in doing that. Um, what if you're a crumb girl? Well, why don't you go to the store and get the smallest container of breadcrumbs that you can find and empty it out and put it in your car's uh, your car's cup holder or in your purse. And every time you see that little can of breadcrumbs, it'll be like, oh, don't be crumb girl. Don't, do you see how it will just, like, it'd be like smelling salt. Every time you see it, it would wake you up. How awesome would, would it be to be on a first date when you've been Donna the doormat or you've been crumb girl and in your, in, in your purse, you have a little bottle of, of breadcrumbs. <laughs> How could you be in that place? Right? Same with me. If I have that lighter on me when I'm around a woman, how, how do I, how do I act like, like Casanova? There's, it's no way, right? No way. All right. The fifth step, the fifth E is expose. You want to expose your persona by going public about it. This is really powerful. You want, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, confess your sins and you shall be healed. Like there is something healing when you're able to, to confess it, to make it public, right? So there was a time in my life where I went to some of my guy friends and I told them about Roy the Rescuer. And I told them that I, that I was learning that I was being this Casanova dude with women. Now, the funny thing was, is all my friends already knew it. They're like, really? You're paying someone to tell you that? I could have told you that. You've been doing that ever since I've known you, right? Now, they didn't know the name, but when I told them, you know, the when I gave them the example of it, the, the, the one-sentence description, they're like, oh, my God, I see you there all the time. So I'm like, all right, fuck. Um, <laughs> you got me. But I asked them, hey, guys, this is a habit of mine. I want to break it. Would you be willing to smack me anytime you see me acting like Casanova or sounding like him? Would you get in my face? Would you say something to me? Would you slap me? Do, do something to wake me up because I think I might fall back into this shit around women. And my friends, because they were my friends, said, yeah, absolutely, I will do that. And I remember, I don't know how much longer it was. I was at a retreat with about 30 guys doing men's work and I'm away for this weekend and my phone rings and it was one of my girlfriends or something. And I, I was, I kind of walked away from the group and said, guys, I got to take this. And one of the guys said, yeah, Casanova, go ahead. Take that phone call, man. Go ahead. And whenever she calls, you got to drop whatever you're doing, man, and get over there and take care of her and make sure that whatever she needs is taken care of. And I turned around and looked at him and I was like, oh my God, you're right. I'm, 
I just, I just fell into it instantly when the phone rang, right? Of course you did, Roy, because you've been doing it for 40 years. Relax. But I put that phone back in my pocket and I didn't answer. How could I at that moment? My friends would have beat the shit out of me. <laughs> really what they would have said is, you're not serious about your work. You're playing some sort of game, right? But I was serious about it. So you need, if, if you're a crumb girl or you're a doormat or if you're George, you need to tell some of your friends that this is your thing and you need to ask them, will you pay attention to me and call me out when you see me doing it? Would you not let me get away playing that goofy game anymore? In other words, will, will you hold me accountable for what I, for the man or woman that I know that I want to be because I don't want to be this persona? And if you have good friends, they'll love doing that for you because there's nothing more fun than picking on your friends when you see them falling into their shit. <laughs> it's just really, it's, it's so fun. And it, it, it's really, really, really of service when you do that, okay? Now, the sixth step is exaggerate, exaggerate. And this is where a little Halloween stuff can come into play here. We started out by saying this is the, ha the Halloween edition and we're coming back to that. The sixth step to releasing a relationship persona is to make it bigger, to exaggerate the persona to such an extent that the whole thing becomes hilarious, right? So when you step back and look at the crazy things you've done for love, it is pretty funny, isn't it? I mean, think of my life. I meet this woman within a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm washing her kids' socks and folding her laundry. I mean, come on. That's sick, but it's hilarious. <laughs> okay? So what you want to do is you want to find a way to exaggerate. If you're, if you're Debbie the doormat, you want to exaggerate that, not with the person you're dating, but with your friends or if you're a crumb girl you, you, or with your coach, you, you want to tell them about this, but you want to exaggerate it, right? So here, here's what I used to do. Um, in fact, um, let me see. Um, I want to just, I want to read you this right out of my, right out of my book. Um, all right, here's, here's how I wrote about it in my book, Attracting Lasting Love, because these steps are all fleshed out, I believe, in chapter 17 of that book. Here's what I write. When I was Casanova, or when I felt Casanova was beating to show up in my love life again, I would call my coach in character and exaggerate him. When she answered the phone, I would say, hey, Diana, it's Roy. I want to exaggerate Casanova with you. Are you up for that? Instead, she would answer and just say, start as Casanova. No introductions, no explanations. So then I would just go, my voice would get very sweet and sing-songy, and I would, I would say, oh, Diana, you're the most wonderful coach in the world. You're smart and enlightened. Oh, my God, Diana, where would I be without you? Is there anything I can do for you? I'm going to fly out to California. I live in Illinois. And, and do your laundry and take care of your kids. And I can be there in a few hours. Maybe you need a back rub too because I know how rough your life is. I can't wait to drop what I'm doing and come and take care of you. Okay? And she'd play right along with me. I, 
She'd go, oh, Casanova, I need you. Life is so hard right now. I'm exhausted and overwhelmed. The kids are driving me crazy. The house is a wreck. There's laundry piled up all over the floor and the fridge is empty. Could you come save me, Casanova? Could you come rescue me in my distress? I'm helpless and I can't survive without you. Oh, Casanova, come quick and take care of me and I'll have sex with you all night long. <laughs> That's the game I was playing, people. I was being that guy and the women that I was with were sort of paying me back with that nonsense, right? So I just made it bigger. And and by doing that, it just made it so like, Roy, what are you doing with your life with women, right? It became so clear and funny, right? Both my, when I stopped doing that, me and Michael, we, we must have laughed for three minutes because it was true that it really was, it really was what I was doing. Which is, that's what all comedy is, right? I love Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle. These guys are funny because they say things that we're all doing. And it's like, it's like they expose us. It's like, oh my God, how hilarious is that? Because we all live that way. We think that way. We operate that way. A good comedy is about telling the truth because that's the truth is hilarious. <laughs> okay. So that's step number six is exaggerate your persona. Make it bigger. Play with it. Because the more you do that, the more it breaks its hold on you. Now, lastly, um, lastly here, um, the last step is it's to embody the persona at a party. Okay? Now, this is going to take a minute or two to explain this. But the steps are epitaph, explain, examine, example, expose, exaggerate, and now embody. In other words, go to a party dressed up as your persona. Get in character and play it out at a party. Like from the moment you walk in the door to the moment you leave, you do not get out of character. You're going to go in there as your persona. And you're going to, in other words, I would go in there as Casanova to a party and act like him around women. Okay. If you're a doormat, you're going to go in there and act like a doormat. If you're a crumb girl, you're going to go in there and act like crumb girl. Right. Now here's the caveat. You got to do this with people that know what you're doing and who are doing it with you. If I just dress, if I just go in as Casanova, (laughs) To, a, to like a Halloween party at a local bar, they're going to put me in chains and take me out. Like I'm, I'm going to be, probably some guy's going to beat the shit out of me when I walk up to some woman and say, can I raise your kids for you and wash your clothes, right? I mean, right? So this only works in a community of people that are all committed to dressing up as their personas and acting them out in front of you. So you're all doing it together. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. But so it's like a party with a purpose. We're not just going to a Halloween party where you dress up as whatever person you want to dress up. That's fine. But there's no real personal growth purpose to that. The party I'm describing is everybody knows what their persona is and everybody's going as it to exaggerate it publicly. 
And so I did this with Casanova. I went to a coach training thing with my old coach about five years after my work with her was done. And I still knew Casanova was getting me. It was coming out in my business in different ways. And so there was a a party on, uh, it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday workshop, Saturday night at my coach's house. She hosted all of us and all of us had to come in costume because we all had done persona work. We, We had all identified our personas and we had, during the day, we were free to go find your costume. Okay. And so I went as Casanova. Now, I don't have the time to tell you exactly what it was. It was hilarious. My wife hated it. Um, It's all written in my book, Chapter 18 of Attracting Lasting Love. But the point here is if you really want to break free is perhaps you're able to create an environment where you can really embody the persona at a party and everyone gets to see you do your shtick. You follow me? It's like it's... It's like exaggeration on steroids. Now, some of you might know I do coach training, like I train people to be coaches. And we do a live event weekend where we're all together from a Thursday to a Sunday. And we do persona work because they want to be coaches. So you can't be a coach unless you've done your work like this. And so the last time I did this, we had a persona party where We all just dressed up as our personas. And then we went to a bar in the area because it was an outdoor Halloween party because it was over holiday Halloween weekend. And so we all went in our characters and we practiced them just with each other. So nobody else knew what was happening. And for that one, I went as like an Indian guru. Okay. I bought a a, a sort of a a thing on my head that would make me look bald. And I, I wore an orange robe that had a sash and I walked around acting like I was enlightened and I knew I could tell everyone how they should be living and what they should be doing. And I played my guru persona. <laughs> okay. It was hilarious. And the other people, other people in the coaching program were kind of doing the same with their own personas. And we just had a ball sort of exposing our shit to each other. Right. And by doing that, we break its hold on us. You confess your sins. You'll be healed. Okay. But step seven, the embodying part, is the only one that you can't do yourself or with your friends. You, you, need, to, you need to have a safe space, a safe party, and everyone has to be participating. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Okay? You can't have some people there that are not playing. It's like, no, energetically, everybody's got to be in costume and playing with their persona and interacting with each other and laughing hysterically. So in closing, if you want to hear more about all these things, really, it's, it's, it's all in my second book, Attracting Lasting Love. Chapters 15 through 18 are all about breaking free of your relationship persona. And so I would encourage you, if for nothing else, to read how I dressed up as Casanova and what I did at that persona party. Um, it was incredibly life transforming and embarrassing and humiliating in the best possible way. (laughs) So we are quite long. Uh, Appreciate your attention going this long. Um, I want to help you with this. This is something that I don't know if you can do all this persona work on your own. You need a coach. And so you know where to find me. Roy at coachingwithroy.com or text me at my cell phone to set up an initial consultation. 
407-687-3387. So until next time, happy Halloween. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.